The portion of God's word that we'll focus on for a while this evening comes from Isaiah chapter 56. This is what the Lord says. Maintain justice and do what is right. For my salvation is close at hand and my righteousness will soon be revealed. And foreigners who bind themselves to the Lord to minister to him, to love the name of the Lord and to be his servants, all who keep the Sabbath without desecrating it and who hold fast to my covenant, these I will bring to my holy mountain and give them joy in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and sacrifices will be accepted on my altar, for my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. The sovereign Lord declares, He who gathers the exiles of Israel, I will gather still others to them besides those already gathered. This is the word of our God. Let's pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Deep down, you and I, we have something in common. We like rules. It's this part of us that would just love it if God would tell us exactly how he wants us to live our lives. And I'm not talking about the Ten Commandments. I'm talking about specifics. Lord, just help me better understand what it looks like for me to love you. Lord, help me understand exactly what it should look like for me to love my neighbor. Well, many of you know that this past week we, we dropped off our oldest daughter, Olivia, at Luther Prep in Watertown. It's one of our synod's schools. It's actually your school. It belongs to you. I don't know if you knew that. But it is owned and operated by our church body. And our church body is the people. It's you. And our synod has this school for a reason. Its sole purpose is to encourage young men and women for ministry, to encourage young men to consider being pastors and to encourage young women to consider being teachers. And if they don't want to be pastors or teachers, maybe they can serve like like Phil does in a church, visiting, teaching, encouraging, equipping. And those young men and women, they're high school kids, like they're 14, 15, 16, 17, 18. Who of them know what they want to do with their life? I didn't. When I was there, I wasn't sure what I wanted to be when I grew up. I was getting a lot of encouragement to be a pastor or a teacher, but I didn't know what I wanted to be. And I can tell you from experience, and I know that those young men and women who are on that campus, they would love it if God would just whisper in their ear and tell them exactly what he wants them to do next. To certain young men, you have the gift for preaching, you be a pastor. To young women, to some of the men. You have the gift to teach. You go be a teacher and to still others. You have the gift to equip and to encourage. You go be an equipper. You go be an encourager. But that's not going to happen. 
The word of God will be preached to them and they will be taught and they will be encouraged and they will be equipped. But God is not going to tell any of them what to do next. Now, you decided how you were going to serve God for most of you probably a long time ago. You decided what you were going to do with your life and you've learned over the years that there are a whole lot of different ways for Christians to serve God. And a lot of you are old enough to know that the way you serve God and your neighbor when you're a kid is often different from the way you serve God and your neighbor when you're in your 20s and your 30s and maybe even your 40s. And the way that you serve God in your 50s and your 60s and your 70s and your 80s and maybe your 90s or 100s is different again. And yet there's still this part of you that always wants to know, am I doing it right Am I doing what God wants me to be doing? Have I been doing it wrong all along? Tonight we savor this beautiful truth that Mount Olive is a church for all people. And as we do, we're going to be comforted to know that this is a place where forgiveness is preached for every kind of sinner imaginable. We're also going to be encouraged as we're reminded that Mount Olive is a place where Christians in every stage of life, of every sort imaginable, are reminded what it looks like for them to serve God and neighbor. Now this Old Testament book of Isaiah is one that we have looked at a couple times over the last few months, but it's always good to review. It's a beautiful Old Testament book, and you're probably most familiar with the little portions of Isaiah 52 and 53 that we read in church every single year during Lent and Holy Week. Famous words like, he was pierced for our transgressions and crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. Those beautiful words that show us the Messiah on the cross for a world full of sinners probably some 700 years before Jesus was even born. And you might remember that in Isaiah 53, there's even a prophecy of the resurrection from the dead. That after he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. Now Isaiah 54 is probably not as familiar to you. This is a beautiful section of God's word where we are shown this glimpse of the glory of God's eternal kingdom. So if you and I have Christian loved ones who have already departed from this world and you're trying to picture where they are right now, it's this picture of glory in God's presence, the church triumphant, those who have won the victory and they're already with God in paradise. It's a really beautiful picture, a powerful picture for us who are still here toiling away in this world of sorrow and sickness and sin and death for us to see what is out in front of us. That's Isaiah chapter 54. Then Isaiah chapter 55 is essential for us to understand that Jesus really is for you and for me. It's this invitation to all. It's that beautiful part of the gospel that reminds us that Jesus really is for everyone. And if Jesus really is for everyone, then he's got to be for you. Because you can't remove yourself from everyone. Jesus is for you. Invitation for all. That's Isaiah 55. And now we get to Isaiah 56. 
And the very first thing we hear, and by we, I mean people who know 52, know 53, know 54, know 55, we know the gospel. Jesus is for us. We hear commands. You hear those right at the very beginning? Maintain justice and do what is right. And again, that little voice inside of you is kind of chirping up saying, well, what exactly does that look like for me to maintain justice? What does it look like for me to do what is right? What exactly do you want me to be doing, Lord? And then there's all these words that they're not actually commands, but we'll make them commands. Because we hear God talk about these foreigners, we're foreigners, we're not Jewish, who bind themselves to the Lord. Well, what's it look like for me to bind myself to you? You want me to become a monk, a nun? What, what, what do you mean by this? To minister to him, to love the name of the Lord, to be his servants, to keep his Sabbath without desecrating it, to hold fast to your covenant. Lord, what does this look like for me to love you, to love my neighbor? What exactly does it look like for me? Well, there was a time when God told his people exactly what godly living looked like. Remember? In the Old Testament, God answered every question his people had. He told them what to do. He told them where to do it. He told them when to do it. He told them how to do it. He even told them how often to do it. And he told them why. Any question you could possibly have, God answered it. He told his people exactly what he wanted them to do. In this text, we hear about sacrifices and burnt offerings. In Exodus chapter 29, God pulls Aaron, Moses' brother aside, the high priest, And he says to Aaron, every single day, every single morning and every single night, you're going to sacrifice one lamb, a lamb in the morning and a lamb in the evening. And if you go read this, Exodus chapter 29, there's all these boxes to check every morning, all these steps, all these things he's supposed to do as he offers that lamb. And then same thing in the evening, step one, step two, step three, step four, all these things he's supposed to do as he offers that evening lamb. Every single day, morning and evening, for the whole nation, these sacrifices are to be offered. And at the end of this section of Exodus 29, we hear these words, for generations to come, this burnt offering is to be made regularly at the tent, at the entrance to the tent of meeting before the Lord. He tells him what to do, where to do it, when to do it, how to do it, how often to do it. But then in Psalm 20, we hear David pray a prayer that should get our attention. In Psalm 20, David prays, May the Lord remember all your sacrifices and accept your burnt offerings. That would seem to suggest that it is possible for the Lord not to remember your sacrifices and not to accept your burnt offerings. And all you got to do is forget why. You can check every single box, but if you do it for the wrong reason, it won't matter. I'm going to read you some words that God spoke to his people through the prophet Amos. These should shock you. They should knock your socks off. You ready? I hate I despise your religious feasts. I can't stand your assemblies. Even though you bring me burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. 
Though you bring choice fellowship offerings, I will have no regard for them. Away with the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the music of your harps. It's possible for this to be detestable to God. What? He couldn't stand their assemblies. He couldn't stand what they were doing. He rejected their best efforts. He wouldn't even listen to their songs. You guys sounded great tonight singing the hymns. He couldn't stand the sound of their songs. Why? Because they were doing everything for the wrong reason. They could check all the boxes. They could do everything right. But if they were doing it for the wrong reasons, none of it mattered. Be careful, brothers and sisters. The goal of Mount Olive Lutheran Church is not to become a congregation full of people who do it right. It's not the goal. Let's use the Sabbath as an example. Remember how Martin Luther described it in the catechism? You know the commandment, right? Third commandment. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. What does this mean? We should fear and love God that we do not despise preaching and his word, but regard it as holy and gladly hear and learn it. So here at Mount Olive, you tell me, do we teach that we all have to Sabbath the same way? Well, you are proof that we do not. Right? Because we are going to have a church picnic on Sunday outside, hopefully, with food after. But you're here tonight. Maybe you're going to come back on Sunday for the food. Maybe you can't be here on Sunday, but you're here today. Why? Because we believe that you don't have to Sabbath on Sunday at 9 a.m. We used to Sabbath on Thursdays at 7. Now we Sabbath on Thursdays at 6.30 because we think it's more convenient for more of our members. We could change the time again, couldn't we? Inside today, outside Sunday. So this gives us a challenge because we are a church that has two Sabbathing opportunities. So if you happen to bounce between the two, or maybe you're someone who really only goes to Thursday or someone on Sunday only goes to church on Sunday, what happens when you get concerned about a brother or sister in Christ? I used to see this person all the time but I don't see them anymore. Do you just assume that they're breaking the third commandment? Do you just assume they must be despising preaching and the word of God? Do you talk to that person? Do you pick up the phone and call them, shoot them a text? Do you go to their house, say hi, where you been? How you doing? I miss you. Do you listen to what they say so you could better understand what's going on in their life? Do you talk to that person that you're concerned about? Or do you just... Talk about that person with other people who Sabbath in the same place at the same time as you. You just gossip about them. Some of you might be thinking, enough questions. It's none of my business. I'll take care of my own Sabbath thing, thank you very much. And the rest of that, that's the pastor and the shepherding committee. You guys take care of the rest of the people who have wandered away and we'll just worry about ourselves Thank you very much. The goal of this congregation is not to become a group of people who do things right. 
The goal of Mount Olive Lutheran Church is to be a group of people who love God and who love neighbor. And the questions that we ask are not, well, what does that look like, Lord? And, well, when should I do that? And where should I do that? And how should I do that? Or, or how often should I do that? No. The question is why? Why do we love God? Why do we love our neighbor? Well, we love because he first loved us. We love because the God that we love took on flesh and became one of us, and guess what? Did everything right. Everything. Every what, every where, every how, every when, every how often, he even always did it for the right reasons. Jesus always did it right. And then he was pierced for our transgressions. He didn't have any. He had never transgressed. He had never done anything wrong, and yet he was pierced for for ours. He had no iniquities, none. He was crushed for ours. He endured the hell that our sins deserve on the cross. His punishment, our hell, brings us peace. And by his wounds, we're more than forgiven. We're healed. What does that mean? We're healed. The condition that you inherited from mom and dad all the way back to Adam and Eve, the condition of sin, long before you ever trespassed, long before you ever created an iniquity, you're healed. Your sins are forgiven. You're healed of sin. You're at peace with God. And then what did the father do? The father wanted to make sure that you and I and everyone knew that Jesus really had done everything right, including the sacrifice, including the suffering, including the dying. And so the Father raises him from the dead as a testimony to you and to me that Jesus really did everything right. The sacrifice was accepted. Death has been defeated. This is incredible. It's the love that God has shown to us in Christ that motivates our loving of God and our loving of neighbor. This is why we love God. This is why we love neighbor. And you see, questions like, well, what does that look like, Lord? And, well, when should I do that? Where should I do that? How should I do that? These questions are too small for us. You know why? Because a question like, well, where does this happen, Lord? That would seem to suggest that there's some places where it doesn't happen, where we couldn't possibly love God or love neighbor. No. Well, what exactly does it look like, Lord? Well, that would seem to suggest that there's certain ways that you just could not possibly love God and love neighbor. Not true. We love God and we love our neighbor with everything that we are every moment of every day. Our whole life is an opportunity to 
to love God and to love neighbor. It's a, a living sacrifice. We become this living sacrifice to God. This is what the Apostle Paul was talking about in Romans chapter 12. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Jesus did everything right. And now, as we hold fast to this covenant, this one-sided new covenant, where Jesus becomes our peace, where Jesus is pierced for our transgressions and crushed for our iniquities, where he heals us. When we hold on to that, Jesus' righteousness becomes ours. What a cool picture of faith. This holding on to the covenant, those who hold fast to my covenant, that's you. You hold on to what Jesus has done for you This is your only hope, and God says, I've made you righteous. I look at you, and I see Jesus who did it right. God looks at you, and he sees someone who did it right. So that means you're free from all this worrying about whether or not you're doing it right. And that means Jesus is your Sabbath rest. He is rest from all your efforts to try to do faith right. He is rest from trying to pray correctly. He is rest from trying to do everything right. He frees us to just serve him with everything that we are all the time. And you can be confident that your sacrifices, that your offerings are accepted. Why? Because he promised they will be. These I will bring to my holy mountain and give them joy in my house of prayer. Why do you think you're here tonight? Your God brought you here. And he gives you the joy of forgiveness. Their burnt offerings and sacrifices will be acceptable on my altar, for my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. Mount Olive really is a church for all people. It's a church where forgiveness is preached to every kind of sinner imaginable, and it's a church where every Christian imaginable is reminded what it looks like to serve God with their whole life. And when God gathers together this kind of group of people. This group of people who love him and who love their neighbor, you can be confident. He's going to keep this last promise too. I will gather still others to them besides those already gathered. Amen.